Mac Power Users, episode 555, iOS 14 Extravaganza. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. Welcome to the Mac Power Users. Joined by me is the one and only Mr. Stephen Hackett. You put extravaganza in the title. I feel like that could be a lot to live up to. Yeah, I know. I felt like I just wanted to set the bar high going in. You did. Oh, man. <laughs> How are you, how are you? I just I just spoke to you a couple of days ago on the podcastathon, but uh, now it's back to real life. I have a story about the podcastathon and the more power users okay. about uh, failed guest appearances. <laughs> We're going to. I haven't told you the whole story yet. We're going to do it on yeah. air. Okay, that's going to be fun. But oh boy! Just to tease that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about iOS 14 today. Before we get started, the iOS 14 version of the Shortcuts Field Guide is out. It's out there. There's, uh, I forget, something like about 45 minutes of new content all about iOS 14 and shortcuts, um, 16 videos, ready for your pleasure. It's $5 off for a short time. I'm also doing a webinar. I talked about this last week, but I forgot to put it in the show notes. I'm really sorry about that, but it will be in this week's show notes and you will be, still be able to sign up. So uh, anyway, I got a webinar on iOS 14 and shortcuts and additional content. So go check that out. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure the shortcuts field guide is in the, uh, in the show notes this week. I'm always uh, impressed how fast you turn these things around. I mean, I know you're working like during the beta cycle and stuff, but I mean, yeah. as we're recording, iOS 14 has been out not even a week yet. And like you're on it. And I know, uh, I know your audience appreciates it too. So I'm always impressed. Well, that, that was interesting. Well, I do work in the betas and that really is hard because things break all the time. And like you finish a video and then they change the beta and you have to re-record it. Uh, but in this case I had 12 of them recorded and I knew I had about four more left plus all of the, you know, closed captioning and all the little things you have to do to kind of get it ready for release. Mm -hmm. And, while we were watching the presentation, Tim says, oh, and it comes out tomorrow. And we recorded Mac Power users like right after that presentation. Yeah. And after we recorded Mac Power users, I looked at my legal calendar for the day. I'm like, you know, I don't have that much going on. I'm just clearing the decks and getting this out. So I got the rest of the videos recorded. I got everything done. But it, it was uh, it was definitely one of those instances of borrowing against tomorrow. I worked late into the day. Yeah. And um, the next day I was kind of useless. Yeah, I do that all the time. Uh, in fact, I'm sort of recovering from doing that for about the last week. Yeah, you sound more relaxed. I mean, and by the way, I mean, this is still running. You can still donate yes, money to St. Jude. And please do. But uh, congratulations, man, on on hitting your goal. Thank you. Yeah, so we, we had a monthly goal of $315,000, and we hit that during the show. During the show itself, we raised about twice what we did during the show last year. So I was a little afraid that a bunch of people gave early and maybe it would be slow during the podcast-a-thon. But I mean, the Relay audience and like, you know, greater Apple community proved me wrong. And and it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, really, like during the breaks when I wasn't on camera, I was just like scrolling through the donation, like the back end is like, I cannot believe how fast these are coming in. And we are well over our goal now. And it's just so exciting because every dollar does count. Every dollar does help. So if you haven't donated yet or you want to donate again, it's uh, stjude.org slash relay. Yeah, you know, I told you this in a text message, but I'll just say it publicly. I'm just so impressed with you and Mary and Mike and everybody that put this together. And it's just such a great thing to think about that you had an idea and now it has turned into 
well, at this point, almost seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars of donations yeah. towards children with cancer. I mean, it's amazing. I am so I don't know what the word is, but I'm just so impressed by you and what you've done. Oh, thanks, man. Hey, we're just it's a uh, just trying to do our part, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, Apple did release a new update, and uh, it has got people's attention. Even my children, who are not totally tuned in this thing, are like, "Dad, what is this widget thing? I don't understand." <laughs> so uh, this year, the release caught people's attention. We thought it'd be fun to give a whole show now that it's out in the public, and you and I have been using it through the beta. We've mm-hmm. got some wisdom to drop on you. That's right, an extravaganza of wisdom is what we've decided. There you go. <laughs> no choice now. Yeah. We are there. The word has been used. That's right. Let's get this extravaganza rolling. I feel like I should play some music or something. Um, yeah, so I think widgets are the most visible change to iOS 14. You know, Apple's kind of slowly been changing and updating the design language since iOS 7. And 14 is basically in line with all of that. But widgets, I think, are the sort of headlining feature because it's what you see. It's the first time really since folders were added that the home screen experience has changed in any meaningful way. Now, it's not a free-for-all like it is on Android. You know, you're still dealing with like top to bottom, you know, sort of you got to fill up one row before you go to the next row. There's still limitations, but widgets have really, I think they've really popped more than I thought they would. And honestly, like I was thinking about it before recording, like, okay, like are, are iOS widgets for me, are there like some other iOS features or macOS features that like are really cool to play with, but maybe long term they don't stick around, like they just don't find a place in my workflow or a place in my life? But I think I'm I think widgets are home run. And yes, Google and Android had them a long time ago, and they've been great on Android for a long time. But I'm so excited to have them on my my phone uh, and my iPad. I mean, they're done well, but they're done with an opinion, like something Apple would make. Mm-hmm. But when we were talking about it at our dinner table, which in itself is notable because as much as I'm Max Barkey at the dinner table, I'm just dad. Sure. Uh, but my kids were like, you know, this was overdue. This was so much, you know, it feels modern now. I mean, the, it's just interesting to me talking to people who are not thinking about this stuff as much as we do and our audience does. But it, this is clearly um, something that's going to resonate with people. And, you know, to answer your question, will it work or won't it work? It really depends on a couple of factors. I think, you know, the software developers need to embrace it, which they've already started to. And Apple needs to, you know, keep the gas down on this. Um, You know, so the good the good news about widgets, right? They're pretty. They, They look great on your screen. The idea of the different sizes and picking so you can kind of make an attractive looking screen is a thing that is possible for anyone. And I think that Apple really, you know, thinking that through, I mean, when you look at Android, I've been using an Android phone for a while now, and it really is just a free for all. And you have the freedom to make an incredibly ugly home screen. (laughs) And the way Apple did this, it's pretty hard to make it ugly because the way it's structured and the way the API works. So I think that's the big plus that the downside is the interaction model. You know, it's the old widgets you could actually interact with, but these you're really, you're getting data or you're launching an app. And um, I think Apple needs to improve that. I think next year widgets need to allow you to interact with them. Yeah. And, and Apple's own widgets like sort of follow those rules. So like the shortcuts widget, for instance, you can still fire any shortcut that's visible. But if I, you know, tap on 
the Todoist widget, for instance, I am just taken into into the app. Now it will pull up the task that I tap individually, but I can't yeah. mark things done. I can't reschedule things. Right? It's it's a window into an app. It's not a new surface uh, for the app itself. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can the the same thing. Podcast app. If you tap on the Mac Power users in your podcast app, and just let me say. The Mac Power users on your home screen would look gorgeous. It would look good. But if you tap on it, it will uh, go straight to the episode. So that's great, but it's just not the same. Where, like, before you could have play pause controls right in the widget. You mm-hmm. know, you can't do that here. you got to go into the app. But the Shortcuts app is the exception, and it's, you know, it's an Apple Insider thing. And I, sure. I'm, I'm really glad they did that because yeah. <laughs> uh, running shortcuts from your home screen, if you had to launch the app, would be kind of terrible. It would be real lame. Yeah. So it's good. But, you know, I think they need to, when I say keep the gas down, they need to keep improving upon it and bring the interact action, even if it's a year from now, in to where widgets have become more and more valuable to people. Mm-hmm. The other big limitation with the widgets is the iPad. We'll talk about that later, but yeah. I'm super disappointed with that. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, something people need to understand is like, you know, not only can you put them on your home screen, but you still have the today view, or I guess you call it widget view screen to the <laughs> I don't left. Know what it's called anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I've talked to a couple people who are like, yeah, I've got like two of them, but then I ran out of space. I'm like, yeah, but you can still just pile on widgets to the left. Right. You know, just before, like you did before, but you know, now they're, it looks better. Mm-hmm. Not quite as interactive, but prettier. And but I've done that. I mean, if you go to my left, and we're going to share our widget screens in a minute, but it's definitely you know you've got a lot of options. You can also put them on additional screens to the right. But you know, I think people forget about the one to the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to take a minute to talk about some notable widgets, and the first one I want to do is this like shout out to our friend David underscore Smith. Yeah, he released an app called Widget Smith, which. It lets you create custom widgets uh, for your your home screen. So you can say, okay, I want time or I'm with these calendars. He has weather, all sorts of different utilities. And the idea was to round out what uh, what Apple's offerings were. And it's been the number one app on the App Store it, over this past weekend it's, it's, as a recording number one in productivity. It is absolutely just going gangbusters. And what's happened is that the young people have found it. <laughs> so yes. if you search I was 14 home screen on Twitter or Reddit or wherever. Or TikTok. All, TikTok. Uh, yeah. That's really where it took off. Some TikTok people yeah. showing how they use Widget Smith to have, you know, beautiful, beautiful typography for a clock or a, an image they always want there. All sorts of things. And it's just totally taken off in a way that, I mean, uh, I don't want to speak for David, but I would imagine that he didn't really anticipate when he was building this utility over the summer. I mean, David is a really smart developer in that, you know, he was just on our show, what, two or three months ago, but he places a lot of bets. You know, he makes a lot of apps and the ones that take off are the ones that he continues to support. And, you know, he, he got his hit record finally, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> long overdue. And like my kids came to me, they're like, Hey dad, have you heard about this, this widget Smith? This sounds really cool. I'm like, Oh yeah. Uh, a friend of mine made that up. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, they're like, Oh, you're actually okay. You're pretty mm-hmm. cool dad. You know? So, but a lot of people are using it. And the thing that makes it interesting is the custom typography. 
So if you want a specific look to your home screen, this is the closest you're going to get to it. And something, you know, as a little aside, seeing the way this app blew up just tells me that we need custom watch faces, right? Yes. You know, when you see yes. how much people want to embrace this customizability on their device, I mean, come on Apple. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, you know, and this is really kind of a variation of Watchsmith, which is a great app David has to customize your your complications. One of the things you can do with both Watchsmith and Widget Smith is you can set different ones to appear at different times of the day. It's just, you know, real clever, smart programming, of course, by David Smith. And I just love it when a friend who works so hard on something, just like you and your, you know, podcast-a-thon, David has had his big week too. So yeah, go check that out, guys. Some of that was happening in the Relay Slack during the podcast-a-thon. Like it was kind of coming to light that Widget Smith was taking off. And so I was kind of like checking in on that conversation, like when I wasn't on camera, because I was so excited for him uh, to see this take off. But I do agree with you. It is a sure sign that people want to customize things. Apple Watch, come on, it's like it's ripe for it. I'll have a, a link in the show notes to an article on nine to five Mac about this. And you can you can kind of see what we're talking about. A lot of people are using widgets in ways drastically different than probably like us nerds do, right? Like I wanted to add utility to my home screen while a lot of people are using it to add uh, aesthetics to their home screen. And I just I find that so interesting. Yeah. Well, how are you using widgets? What have you? What are you doing? Yeah, so I've got uh, the on the today. Well, it's called the today screen. I don't know what iOS fourteen calls it. They change it all the time. At the top, I have carrot weather. And one thing we ha- we haven't mentioned yet is that you can stack widgets on top of each other. So you can have widgets, multiple widgets from the same application, or multiple widgets from different applications, taking up one kind of visual space, and then you can either scroll through them manually. Or you can have the stack try to sort itself out kind of automatically. So maybe you want to see this sort of widget during the day and this widget in the evening. And it, I guess it learns over time. Uh, but the top one for me is carrot weather. And I have forecast, hourly forecast, and radar all in a stack. So I can just flip through them real quick. I've talked about this before. Uh, in fact, it's come into the show before with like thunder sounds. Uh, weather is kind of a, is a big deal in my part of the country. And so having that uh, just one swipe over is really nice. Uh, under that, I've got shortcuts. So I've got eight shortcuts that I like running from my uh, my home screen. These are the same ones that I had in a widget before. I basically just replaced the old widget with a new one. Um, activity and battery. So I, can, I, I, I don't think I'm going to run battery long term, but I'm doing it now because, you know, it's a point of release. And especially on the watch, there's been some reports of, Watch OS 7 being a little rough on people's batteries. So that's a temporary thing. I think I'll remove it later. Uh, and then I have to do it at the bottom, which is the task manager that I use. And so those are all kind of stashed over there on the left. As far as my home screens, I'm keeping it pretty simple. On my main home screen, I've got the calendar. And underneath it, I have a widget smith widget with time zones for San Francisco, New York, London, and Rome. So the, the people I work with at work are in those time zones. And then on my second home screen, all I have is the photos widget and some app icons. So I'm down to just two home screens now. The photos widget in particular, I really love. It uses the same sort of smarts that the photos app has when it you know creates memories for you and that sort of thing. And there's so many times where I'm scrolling over because on that second screen, I've got like Google Docs and Sheets, things I use for work. And I'll just get totally distracted by a photo of one of my kids when they were born or or something else and seeing it. 
you know, just there on my home screen is way better than having to go into photos and go into the memory section. I love that it's surfacing these things. In some cases, photos I haven't seen in years. Yeah, I totally agree on the photos widget. I don't know what the math is there, but it's not just photos that I favorited and it's finding really good pictures. Like just today I looked at it and um, on mine, I, uh, so I'll start with my actual home screen. I have, if you think of the screen as a, um, you know, there's basically three medium size widgets will fit on the home screen. So I've got the large photos app um, taking, you know, so it takes two of the three slots. Mm-hmm. So the top half of is a picture and it just does a great job of finding pictures that I haven't favorited. Like I just was looking at, I opened my phone this morning. There's a picture of my wife with my mother-in-law behind her laughing and kind of a soft focus with a, you know, low F-stop picture. It's a gorgeous picture. I don't know why I never favorited it. And somehow, you know, Apple Photos found it and put it on my home screen. So the way I'm using it, my home screen doesn't have any apps on it except in the dock at this Whoa. point. And I, I'm sure I just shared, you get it. I just shared my home yeah. screen with you. It's just widgets. <laughs> yeah. And then I, um, and we'll, we'll share our home screens in the show notes here, if you don't mind. Steve yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. Okay. And we'll also share the today view, but basically, so two thirds of my home screen is either the photos app or it's a, it's a stack. The other thing is the fantastic L uh, app and fantastic L has a view that has um, the month calendar with the day on it in big text. It's a great like home screen. It's way better than frankly, the Apple calendars large widget because it puts the day and the month and then they even squeeze the weather in there. I'm going to take partial credit for that because I wasn't on the beta and I said, just put the weather on it. Find a way, you know, <laughs> please, you know, because uh, I want to be able to look at my home screen and see the weather, right? Mm-hmm. So I get all that in that one, two third block. And because I time block, it shows me the upcoming time blocks. And that's very useful. But if I swipe on it, it also shows me photos. And this is one where I use smart stacks. So uh, most of the time I open it, it's got a photo there, but it, you know, spooky knows when I want to see my calendar and it shows me the calendar. If it doesn't have what I want, I can just flip it and it'll show me the calendar. Um, then below that, I have the the medium size block, the bottom one third of the screen with the shortcuts widget with just four um, shortcuts on it. And I talk about this actually in the shortcuts field guide update, but I've made four shortcuts that are all they're all choose from menu shortcuts. So like, and they're contextual. So like I press the Mac Sparky shortcut and it gives me a list of everything I do as Mac Sparky, you know, write a new blog post, work on the Mac power users outline, you know, whatever it is that I do as Mac Sparky, I've got shortcuts taking me to those. And I really like the idea of working under context. This is kind of a thing for me. I did a, a webinar on it on the Mac just last month. Um, and then I've got one for legal and personal. And then the last shortcut is just kind of like other directories of shortcuts, like all my tools or all my photo tools or all my calendar tools. So I can get to those very easily. And then I've got four apps in the doc. So, you know, that's really uh, it for me. And I love this home screen. I started using it about a month and a half ago during the beta, just as a, as a goof to see if I could use a home screen without any apps on it. And I am totally sold. And then uh, if I go over to the, what used to be called the today view, I've got 
um, weather on top. I haven't switched it to carrot yet. I'm going to switch it to carrot, but during the betas, I try to use the Apple apps just to see how it's going. Right. Uh, suddenly air quality is the big thing, you know, like, um, in most of the country, you want to know if it's going to rain or thunderstorm in California. We just want to know if the air is breathable or not. It's like, am I going to go out today and take a hike or should I just pat, uh, smoke two packs of cigarettes? You know, <laughs> I'm not sure which, which is better for my health. So I'm monitoring air quality through the app. And then because I podcast with a lot of people in different places and I've got clients in Asia, below that I've got the the current time, but I also have time in Memphis, in London, in Asia. So I've got all my times there. And then below that, I have a what I call an audio block. And there's it's a stack of three. There's the podcast app, because I always use the native apps during betas, so I'm still using the podcast app. And then I've got the um, the Apple Music app, and then I've also got Dark Noise. So anything I want to make audio with, I can do from that stack. And below that, I've got activity and battery. So uh, I'm really happy with this. And I don't think this is like a lark, you know, something I'm going to do just because it's new and shiny. I think I'm going to be sticking with this. I mean, last year, I built a whole complex shortcut to every day generate a PDF of my daily schedule and take a screenshot of it and then put it on the home screen of my, you know, change the wallpaper to reflect my daily schedule. It was a very complex shortcut I'd built, but then Apple took out a key action I needed, which is set picture as wallpaper. They, they never added it back. Uh, now I've got it for free because I've just put a calendar app in the largest size on my home screen. And I've got my calendar up on my home screen all day. It's dynamic. It changes as my calendar changes. So I don't have to, you know, it's just better than the shortcut I was doing. And with the nice design of Fantastical, it's great. One last bit I forgot to mention. Uh, the shortcuts block on my home screen isn't just shortcuts. If I swipe that, it's also the drafts medium widget, which has all the little buttons I need to get to my various drafts. Yeah, it's cool. How do you feel about the mechanics of adding widgets and moving things around on the home screen? It's too precious. Yep. You know, it's like you try to drag them on top of each other and then they go to the next window. If you try to set the stack order, sometimes it closes it or deletes it. You know, it's, it's just too precious. I think I'm not sure what the answer is, but it, it needs to be better. Yeah, I agree. It's a little frustrating at times trying to put something where you want it. It's like, just let me do this. Like, just get out of my way, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think... We'll see what they do. I mean, it, they've basically, if you haven't tried this yet, they basically brought over the same mechanics as editing the home screen that we've had for a while. And now you just have much bigger targets and they do some strange things sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm really looking. I, I have put a hold on all the home screen posts at maxbarkey.com while this beta was going down because I knew everything was going to change. And I'm restarting that now. I, I'm just really excited to see what people do with their home screens now that we've got all these options. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get 20% off your 1Password account. 1Password is the application that handles all of your passwords for you. Uh, so when you're going on the internet, you don't have to remember uh, unique passwords. You just type in your one password password and you're good to go. It's like having your cake and eating it too, because it gives you security on the internet 
without the overhead of trying to manage all this stuff yourself. And 1Password's really smart. They take advantage of all the security APIs that Apple has to offer. So if you're using your phone or your iPad, you can use face detection to get you straight into the app or or uh, Touch ID. No matter what app you're using, you can get in and access your passwords. And they have a bunch of additional features because as the internet continues to evolve, it's scary. It's a scary place. And a lot of times websites you use and rely upon get hacked without you knowing it. And how many of us are going to take the time it takes to go back and check every website to see if they've been hacked? Well, 1Password does that for you with a great service they have called Watchtower. And Watchtower looks at the password accounts you have, and then it compares that to a, you know, a list of those websites and whether or not they've been hacked. And if they have 1Password gives you a compromised website notification saying, hey, something's gone on at this website. We strongly recommend you go in and change your password. And you just check your watchtower and you go in. The other thing that's going on on the internet is the bad guys are trading lists of passwords that have been collected and harvested through these hacks. And 1Password, because it's private and secure, is able to look at that password list out in the world. You know, they went and got the bad guy list. They compare your password list to that list for you privately on your way, on your device so they don't see the, the actual password either. But they'll tell you, hey, your password appears on one of these lists, which is a good sign. You need to change that password. So uh, 1Password takes care of all that for you. And all you have to do is set up an account and let them do the work for you. Whether you want to get an account for your family or your workplace, they've got solutions to cover you. And I am just so happy to be a 1Password subscriber. I just paid my renewal for my family happily. To go sign up for 1Password, head over to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps. You get a nice discount when you sign up. Makes us look good, and it helps you protect yourself, your family, and your coworkers from all the bad things going on on the internet. So thank you, 1Password, for sponsoring Mac Power users and keeping all of us safe. Once again, that's onepasswordcom slash MPU. Check it out. So up next, let's talk about the app library. This is sort of the second big change to the home screen system, and it's it's a really big change. It, it's finally, for the first time, Apple is kind of offering to users that the iPhone will just sort of take care of its own home screens. Yeah, I mean, long just like the widgets, I think this is another thing that was long overdue. Apple keeps bragging about how many millions of apps there are. And it was just getting ridiculous scrolling through all those screens, even with folders to try and find an app. Yeah. Since, I mean, we mentioned a second ago that folders are kind of the last big change to the home screen. This is sort of taking that idea to a, a, a bigger level. Hey, you're going to have so many apps and, you know, it's going to be uh, too much to put them all where you can see all of them. And now it's probably too much for folders or people just don't want to deal with folders yeah, I know I was a person, I used folders heavily before this, and I would try to arrange the apps by sort of my area of life. So I have reading and work and family. And of course, most apps spilled over to those buckets in other ways. Some people made folders based on app icon color, which I didn't understand, but hey, more power to you. But now you can, if you want to, you can get rid of all that stuff. That's what I've done. I'm using no manual folders anymore. And yeah. The app library is all the way to the right, so past past your last home screen. And it's a set of folders that Apple builds automatically. You can't 
take a nap from one folder into the other. And it uses the app store categorization. So it's going to try to put all your photos apps together and all your educational apps together and all your video apps together. And it lets you just kind of put all that stuff away and it's there later when you, when you want it, if you want it. Yeah. And this was an evolution for me through the beta process. You know, at one point it was three or four screens over. And by the end of the beta, I had literally put all of my apps into the app library. The only apps that are not in the app library are the four that are in my dock. Mm -hmm. And so now if I have the home screen with no apps on it and I swipe to the right, I'm in the app library. And at some point, you just have to put your faith into the system, <laughs> you know, it's just because I, I feel like this is faster than even having a second home screen because it just, it surfaces the apps I want the way it displays, you know, it's got those categories, but then inside the category uh, it's got four room for four icons. And three of those icons are the one that the algorithm decides you are most likely to want from that folder. And I think it's a combination of, usage patterns and time of day and all these other things. But when you swipe over, at least in my experience, most of the time, one of the apps I'm looking for is available as one of those three in the icon group. So I can just tap it and launch it immediately. That fourth icon slot is used for a, a button that has smaller versions of additional apps in that group. And if you tap on it, it takes you into the folder. And I actually think that's a pretty good solution. Do you use it that way? So I have basically used App Library as just a way to hide apps that I don't want out on my home screen. And I'm relying on search for almost everything else. Sure. In in fact, I wouldn't be hurt if Apple had an option at some point to instead of doing all this folder stuff automatically, just put all my other, put all my apps in an alphabetical order over there. And then I can just either scroll through them and find what I want, or again, just just search. I think the organization on its own is clever. I think that for a lot of people, that's probably really useful, but I just uh, find myself using search. If it's not on my two home screens and I just pull down and, and start typing and then, you know, it shows up in a, a tap or two. If you do tap on the the top of the app library, it gives you it immediately turns into an alphabetical list that you can search. So you're just looking to avoid that additional tap, I guess. Right. And and the, the the app search is also present still on the home screen. So like, there's multiple ways to get into that. I find it interesting that Apple did this the same time that they did widgets. I think that they realized that people are going to like widgets. They're going to have more stuff on their home screen. They're going to have less room for apps. And so let's give them a place to stash their applications and free up space on their homepage. I think it's very smart that they did these things in tandem. Agreed. And I feel like they definitely are two parts of a whole that, you know, working together, it just makes overall a better experience. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I don't even have a second screen. Now, do you have a second screen of apps or do you go straight into the app library as well? Yeah. So it is, uh, I'll send you mine now and it'll be in the show notes. So I just have two, those two screens and then it's app library. It's really nice. And uh, I would encourage everybody to check it out. Now, the process of putting your apps into the app library can be a little confusing, honestly. The um, uh, You long press on an app like you're going to delete it, but there's a new option called Remove App. And it's like, when you look at that, you're like, what happens if I press Remove App, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> you know, part of you is like, am I about to delete it? Oh, maybe I shouldn't press that. But it's actually when you um, press it, it gives you two more options. You can either delete the app or move it to the app library. And 
so it's a two-step process to kind of remove it into the app library. And if you want, there's also a way you can hide your home screens. So like you could keep a home screen of just like work-related apps and then hide that when you're not at work. Mm -hmm. I tried that for a little while and I felt like it was just tedious. So I just literally moved everything into the app home screen, basically nuked all my home, all my home screens. And I've just got a hundred percent into the app library and that's fine. Yeah. The switching out between home screens didn't work for me either. Uh, there is a, an odd limitation in that, that you can hide whole home screens, but you can't, but you can't rearrange home screens. You can't say, I want this. That was my third home screen. I want it now to be my second, which I find really bizarre that like you, you went through all this trouble to build this framework. Uh, just give it that extra little bit of customization. Yeah. And, and honestly, the way I launch a lot of apps is going back to that little four shortcut button, the contextual, you know, it's like, I, if I want to plan my day, I just hit the max Barkey planning button and it sets a timer and opens OmniFocus specifically to that, you know, to that screen where I mm-hmm. plan the Max Barkey stuff. So uh, I find that, you know, this app library is not something I use a lot, but it's there when I need it. And I think that this is actually a very good first effort at something like this. I don't have a lot of complaints. No, I don't either. Just maybe a little bit more customization so I can tweak it. I think that it's fantastic. I really want to know, like I'm very much looking forward to the thread on this in the forums. I really want to know what people think about app library because it is such a huge difference. I mean, it's a massive change, right? And to see it really working for me, like I hope it really works for others, but I I want to know, I want to hear what people are feeling about it. The most impressive part of that for me is the way in the pre-made folders, it services the apps I want. And I don't know what the algorithm is. Maybe it's just the frequency of usage. Mm-hmm. That would be the easiest way. But it is almost always got the apps I'm looking for there. It's pretty remarkable. And then like another kind of meta piece of this is with the widgets, there's apps I don't need to put on my home screen anymore. Like, you know, I use Fantastical for my calendar, but I don't need to put that on my home screen because I have the widget. You tap the widget, you're in the app. Yeah, in fact, in fact, I've realized while we were doing this that I have a carrot weather widget, but it's still also on my home screen. And I can take it off my home screen now because the widget is just over to the left. Yeah, it's great. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at Text Expander. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and get 20% off your first year. A bunch of us are working remotely, or maybe parts of our teams are working remotely, and that means it's kind of hard to get everybody on the same page. I mean, look, it's hard to get people on the same page when they're all in the same office, right? But Text Expander lets you supercharge your entire team. That means they can use shared resources for less repetition, fewer errors, and greater consistency, so they feel like they're really being more efficient. You can keep them consistent, accurate, and current. So say that you have a, a common piece of text that you need to send as part of a customer service thing that maybe you're doing. Well, instead of every customer service agent maybe having their slightly different take on it, or maybe you have like that one person who's really prone to typos, you can just have it all in Text Expander. So you can share your text and even images with the whole staff, keep everyone on track, and everyone will be able to share the same message and the same photos, everything. 
Consistency. Gotta love it. Use Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. You can create powerful snippets to save you time. So all you type is a short abbreviation. So for instance, if I need the date on my computer, it's a semicolon DD, and I get the date wherever I'm typing, browser, text editor, Slack, messages, wherever, it automatically expands. Share your snippets with messages, signatures, descriptions, everyone who works on projects with you, you're all on the same page. And it's available basically everywhere, Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. So visit textexpander.com slash podcast. You can learn more and show listeners who get 20% off their first year. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for supporting the show. All right, so up next we have messages. iMessage has been a pretty core focus of Apple's for a long time, but the app has more or less been the same for a really long time. It's based on the old SMS texting framework and application, and they've added iMessage apps, but that I don't think they really took off. Uh, but they've really overhauled it this year in some some pretty big ways, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would argue that it has been getting steady progress, but it's been like, it's like darts. It seems like they're getting closer to the bullseye more recently. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. a little bit on the fringe. They missed the board at the beginning entirely. Now they're getting closer to the bullseye. Um, you know, they had the stickers, the memoji, they had the the animations of the screen, which they kind of abandoned, even though it's still there. But this year they really, they did really try to make it more of the same stuff. You know, they've got, they've got the way to pin the conversation. In fact, let's start with pinned conversations. I think that is probably one of the most notable changes. Mm-hmm. You've got the ability now to take uh, people you talk to or groups of people that you talk to and, and pin that conversation to the top. You've got up to nine slots and it can be an, with a specific individual. Like I've got one with my wife, I've got one with Steven, but it can also be with groups. We have what we call sparks prime, which is me my two kids and my wife. And that one is pinned as well. And it's, it's really nice. It puts it up at the top of the screen for groups. You can assign an icon or an emoji or a picture to the group. And it's just, you know, it's really uh, quite useful because it puts the most frequent conversation threads you've got right at the top of the screen. I really like the way it shows the updates right on top of the pins. And if it's a group, when there's updates, it even shows you who is making it. Um, I think it's pretty well done. Yeah, I, I really like it. You know, on the iPhone, at least for me, iMessage is usually like most weeks, my the most common app used after pickup, right? So I'm in there all the time. And now with the the top nine, and I have all nine slots filled. I've got family members, various work I message groups, coworkers, all sorts of stuff in here. David, you're in there because you're a VIP. So you're Oh, I made that list. You made awesome. the list. I was gonna I was gonna bug you about that. Yeah, I, I know you're VIP one. in my mail, you're a pinned message. And it's really easy to just quickly tap into, you know, the threads that you're most normally in. And what's clever about this, they actually use, I don't know if you noticed, they use the same sort of UI element as in notes. So you can pin a note to the top of a notebook in Apple Notes. Yeah. You just yeah. swipe over and you get the little pin and you can, uh, once you're in there, if you need to unpin it, you can unpin it pretty easily as well. And so you could change this over time. Uh, so for instance, last week we're doing the podcast-a-thon stuff. I pinned uh, my contact at Allsack. She was kind of running point on the show on their side. 
and I just had her as a pin. And so I could very quickly jump into our conversation if I had a question or like when I got to campus, you know, she needed to come meet me to let me in the building, that sort of stuff. And so it's also a nice way to sort of highlight threads when you need them. And then once that time has passed, you can just put them back with the others. I really find that to be a pretty powerful trick. Yeah, it's really easy to turn them off and turn them on. But I am glad that I'm a VIP in your life. I'm a VIP in your heart too, Stephen. Yeah, man. Okay, that's good. You too. So I've got <laughs> like uh, one, uh, I've got them up there for my family. I've got them for all the people I podcast with. I've got one for my virtual assistant. But it can change. Like you were saying, I really wish that we could have 12. I would like to have another three. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think they want to show part of the messages UI as well. Yeah. It seems odd to me that decided to stop at nine, but either way, uh, this is really nice. And um, if you haven't tried it yet, I, I strongly recommend pinning some conversations. You will not regret it. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the group, you also, when you've got group messages, one of the additional features now is they have individual mentions in the groups. So all you have to do to trigger this is type a name of the person in the group. And then it's like a direct message to that person from inside the group. Um, it's got a pretty little animation it does when it when you do that. But the the cool part is on the receiving end, you can tell messages, only give me notifications in this thread when I receive a direct mention. Yeah, that's really powerful if you're in a really chatty iMessage thread. I'm in a couple of them. And I could just say, hey, if someone says my name, then that's fine because I leave it muted otherwise. Yeah. I think pinned conversations is my favorite feature, but my second favorite feature is inline replies because I text with a lot of people that throw a lot at me at one time. And, you know, they'll ask you three questions and then you go and you answer, but you know, how do you know what you're answering? You know, it's like, it's like, did you get your test results and can I borrow money? And then you write back and say, yes. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't know what he's saying with inline replies. You just uh, long press on a question or a, a bubble, and then you can reply specifically to that bubble. Have you done that? Have you used that feature? Yeah, I've used it a bunch again. And I threads with multiple people. It's really handy. I, however, wish they just ripped off Slack. So the UI for this, I find confusing at times. So you have the word I used in the outline was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Little blue lines, you know, connecting them. So say, say for instance, it's you and I and Rosemary Orchard, we're talking in a thread and I want to reply to something previously. I would long press. So maybe on her message, hit the reply button, type my reply. And then I get at the, it kind of, goes back to the bottom and there's like a little blue line connecting them all. And I just, I find it a little confusing. I think it's easy to get sort of lost in there and to make matters worse to go into a thread, it basically pops it up on top of wherever you are, as opposed to loading like a second screen and which is like what Slack does. And I get it. Like I understand the problem in if someone creates a thread and it's out of your view, like it's so far in the past, you can't see anymore. How do you know it's there? But I don't know if this UI of bringing it to the bottom each time it's updated and having the blue lines and like hooking them all together. It is something about it just doesn't work for me. It's not that it's, I mean, it's a little confusing. It's not that I don't understand what's happening. Like I it's, it makes it clear what goes where, but it's like, there are much better ways to do this. I think. It feels to me like it's too clever. 
You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, you know, Slack just solved the problem and they're like, we're Apple. We're going to make this better. And I'm like, you know what? Problem was solved. You didn't mm-hmm. need to make this one better. You know, <laughs> put that time somewhere else. But I, I, I I'm with you. It, I understand it. I think normal people will understand it, but I don't think it's elegant, you know, for Apple as a company that's always trying to talk about the device getting out of the way. This just feels too clever to me. Yeah, I think you're right. I use it all the time though as well. And um, I think this is a feature a lot of people are not going to realize is there. So um, spread the word Mac power users to all the people (laughs) in your life, because I think this is a feature a lot of people would like if they, if they knew existed. Yeah. At our at our dinner table conversation, I told my kids about it. They didn't even know that that was a possibility. And now they're, of course, really into it. Okay. Um, this is uh, the part that I know you really wanted is more Memoji. I'm just kidding. I need to undo that bell. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's okay. Leave the bell. <laughs> uh, no, but they added, I, I like the idea of Memoji stickers, you know, the, the Memoji where I've got to take a video of myself answering, you know, as a unicorn, that's kind of cute, but I just don't find myself doing it much. Although maybe that's what I should do when I answer Steven going forward, the unicorn. I think I'm going to take you out of pen messages right now. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) But, but the stickers are great because once you set up your Memoji, it creates a whole set of stickers, which I think are a lot more fun than the typical emoji stickers. Like Mm -hmm. why just a thumb up, you know, yellow thumb up when it could be a little sparky with his thumbs up. Right. And I I like those stickers. I use them all the time and we got more of them this year. So, Hey, that's cool. We also got the one working on your Mac, you know, where you've got a little sparky on his Mac or a little Steven on his Mac. Come on, you're not tempted to use that even a little bit? Mm-mm, I don't use them. I never use them. I don't even think I have one set up with my face anymore. I like them. I, you know what? I like them so much that I took screenshots of them on my phone. Here's a power tip. You take a screenshot with your phone, then you um, remove the background, you know, put it on your Mac, remove the background. You can do that in preview with a little magic tool. And then I saved a custom clipboard and keyboard maestro that has all of those Memoji. Mm-hmm. So when I'm answering email, if I just hit control R for a reply, it gives me a list of them all. So I can fist bump, I can high five. I've, I've got a whole bunch of them. And when people send me emails, and I just want to do a quick reply. I do that. And it's a little sparky in the reply. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've carried it over to the Mac. But yeah, I'm so I'm glad we got more stickers this year. But you know, mm-hmm. that's not a huge deal. Overall, um, how have these changes impacted you? Are you using it more? Is there, you know, things you think they are still missing? I mean, I think they really fixed my broad issues I had with organization. Just that it was sort of a free flowing mess. And now that you can pin things and and by the way, we're gonna talk about Mac OS Big Sur whenever it comes out. But these features have been carried over to Big Sur because they replaced the Messages app on the Mac with a Catalyst version. So threads and pinning everything, it's really nice once all your devices have this. You know, Catalina doesn't know what to do with the threads, but it doesn't break. It just goes back to sort of the old style. You know, people just text as they text and they're in the right order. So I really like it. I really think these are good changes. And I think Apple is realizing how important this is like to the core experience of the iPhone. It's always been that way, but I feel like Apple's finally treating it as such. Yeah. And this is another one I would like to see them keep the gas down. You know, like 
delete, you know, I like to be able to delete messages. There's, I, there's just some things or undo messages. There's, there's some additional features out there in the world that Apple's not taking advantage of. I'd like to see them do that. Um, for the sticker crowd like me, I would also like to see them kind of stretch into the world of, you know, more and deeper animations, you know, do more with a picture of your face. Um, those cool animations in the background, like when I send someone a happy birthday and the bubbles mm-hmm. drop or the balloons drop, or I'd like to see them, you know, like improve upon that and increase that. I, I wrote a blog post about this like two years ago. It's like, why aren't there a list of those animations that come out at the holiday season that have pumpkins and Christmas trees and uh, 4th of July and, you know, why, you know, or Chinese Lunar New Year, you know, you could have cool animations that show up in the system that people could use. And I think people would really dig that. Not Steven, you know, not Katie, <laughs> but, but everybody else would like it. And uh, I think they should, they should increase and add some more delight to it as well as adding these power features. Yeah. You could have a whole thing like Bitmoji does this where you have seasons of outfits and art and stuff and it changes over time like messages can tap into all of that stuff if if they put effort into it so i hope they do continue to expand it i am really excited to have all this stuff on the mac though this is one of those features like all right i'm ready to update my mac so i can have all these niceties everywhere i am yeah and every time i talk about this people send me email and say well you don't understand they have to do and every time they want to change the messages they have to do an update you know it has to be an ios update and i'm like that's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. They're Apple. They have a hundred gazillion dollars. They have really smart people. They could figure a way that, you know, in December, there's a memoji of me with a Santa hat on that goes away in January. Yeah. They could do that. Yep. You know, it's not that hard. Um, so I'd like to see that continue. I know that's kind of not in your wheelhouse, but I think for a lot of folks, they would like it. And I think about all the people in my life, that don't listen to Mac power users. And I think that's the kind of stuff that really is sticky and uh, create some affection for their devices when they can have that whimsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's talk about some more of the features. Uh, default apps. You can now change your mail and browser to a different default app. Uh, what do you think? Are you doing any of this? Uh, I'm not because I use both Safari and mail, but yeah. I think it's a huge deal. I think there are a yeah. lot of people especially who use their phones for work. So so say you're in a big organization and you are handed a phone and like this is your work phone. To be able to set the default as Outlook or whatever you're being forced to use, like I think that's fantastic. You know, there's a lot there's a whole big conversation to be had here about antitrust and Apple running up against those things and that's a topic for another day. But I, I'm glad they did it, and I, I hope to see it be sent out to more types of things. Like, why can't I set my default my default podcast client, the default app that opens if I hit an RSS feed? Like, I would like to see them, you know, default calculator, right? I want to set PCALC everywhere. I never want to use the Apple one. Uh, yeah. So hopefully they will continue to improve this, but I think this is a, a really huge deal. That calendar stands out for me, too. I think that's an obvious next choice. but. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they made progress somewhere. I I know so many listeners that use mail applications other than Apple mail for really good reasons. Sure. But every time they want to send an email, they hit the button to send an email and open it up in Apple mail. That's just dumb. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad they fixed it. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Maps changes. I I specifically called this one out because I know you do so much cycling. Did you try that out? What do you think? Yeah. So in, uh, 
in iOS 14 in the Maps app, they did add this. So if you have a uh, destination instead of you know public transit or walking, there's now uh, biking. It is not available everywhere. It's New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then a couple of Asian cities. So it's not in Memphis. Um, okay. But I wish it was. I think it'd be super cool. But while we're on Maps, I feel like Apple Maps is a lot better than it was. They've got all the new data rolled out, at least at least here in the U.S. I know it's other countries, it's really pretty poor. But here in the U.S., I feel like Apple Maps is really catching up. And they've even got some features that like Google Maps don't have. Like you, It shows you where all the stoplights and stop signs are now. And Google Maps doesn't always have that data. And I'm giving Apple Maps uh, a run for its money. I've been using Google Maps for a long time. But I'm going to give Apple Maps another shot because I'm excited about these other new features, even if it can't tell me where to ride my bike. And generally, I've not had a problem with Apple Maps in years. Um, I, I recently, I had I was going to a place down by the beach and it, it couldn't get me there. I'm like, ah, I finally found a broken spot. But then Google also got lost. So it just was bad data across the board. So, but I live in California, which happens to be the same state as Apple. So I think we have the best maps here. But uh, overall, I, I agree. I like, like you, I think I like the UI better in Apple Maps. And they added a new guides feature, which I have not had any use for. I mean, talk about a year that guides are unused. You know, <laughs> This is not the year. You know, Where are we going to use a guide? I need a guide around my living room at this point. That's it. Translation is another issue uh, or another new app. And so how it works is you turn your phone on and you, if you turn your phone to landscape, it opens up this translation mode where you can just start talking and it will translate. Um, I have a friend that is a native Spanish speaker and he speaks to me in English all the time, uh, but not very well. And so sometimes we have trouble kind of getting across to each other. So we had a whole conversation where I was speaking and it was translating to Spanish and he was speaking in Spanish and it was translating back to me. And, uh, it was one of the better conversations we've ever had. So it, it works fine. And, um, I know I used to use the Google voice or the Google translator app. I actually like the way Apple's done it better. And it seems like it's, it's a nice solution. So you feel like it was as accurate as Google's was? Yeah. Well, I, I've done it before um, with my friend using the Google app and it felt the same. Okay. It didn't feel like it was worse. Hey, that's a win for app for an Apple like <laughs> service yeah. AI type thing. That's really cool. Yeah. I've not gotten to use this. Uh, my wife is fluent in Spanish. I, I need to just, like, we just need to have, uh, a talk there, but I'm really glad they did this. This was one of those features that like, come on iPhone, like you should just have this. And it was some third party apps did it. None of them did it super well. They had the Google one, but I think a lot of people will prefer to use apples because they distrust Apple more than maybe those other companies. Yeah. I mean, living in Southern California, you really need to speak Spanish. I, mine is just so poor that my Spanish friends, my Spanish speaking friends just laugh at me when I try to talk to them in Spanish. So <laughs> I, uh, I use the app, you know, the one thing was weird. The app disappeared on me halfway through the beta. Not really sure why I had to go redownload it, but that's fine. Uh, they also have like a focus mode. There's a little button if you tap on it. And if like the Siri voice isn't pronouncing it well, and you're, you know, your Spanish speaking or foreign language speaking discussion partner doesn't understand what it said. You just press the button and it puts it on the screen so they can read it. Oh, that's, that's a nice fallback. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a good app. I mean, it's just, 
you know, it's another piece of fruit that they picked off the tree. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was been hanging there for a long time and now it translates. Um, if I ever get back to Europe, I think it would be a real good test to see how well it works, you know, wandering around in, in you know, like France and Germany and, and places where they don't speak English. Um, Siri improvements. I think uh, that didn't get the attention it deserved this year. Um, the compact design they gave some mention to in the keynote, but when you start using it, it really stands out as a, a vast improvement. Absolutely. Instead of taking over your whole screen, it just comes up at the bottom. And this carries over to the other devices, uh, same for CarPlay and iPad and other places. I like this compact design. They're also they're using it for shortcuts, using it for a few other things. It may... It makes it feel like your phone can do more than one thing at once, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, I can I can keep looking at this email and Siri just goes and does something for me. Uh, I really like this compact design. I, I really think it's well done. Just the, you know, take over your screen design felt like it was just too much, right? It's not like it, Siri didn't justify it. Yeah, I think that's right. They also continue to make improvements on voice to text. And I feel like this year it seems to to really have improved a lot. I know a lot of it's happening on device, uh, but they also have the ability to phone home if they want. But uh, the speed has improved. I, I have done some tests putting the Google phone next to the iPhone. And I thought that the Google phone was just going to crush it, you know, because historically Google has been better at this stuff. But I felt really underwhelmed with the Google phone. Um, it seems like the, uh, you know, Siri is, is right there now. And uh, I've been using it quite frequently with the work I do as the lawyer. And, you know, historically I had a subscription to dragon anywhere, right? but I canceled that. And it just, you know, it seems like dragons not, or nuance isn't sure what they're going to do with that app, but it really isn't that necessary. Now the timer is longer, but the timer is still there with shortcuts. So uh, you still have to remember to stop and restart it after about three sentences, or you may run into a, you know, the timer ending, but they're, they're making a lot of progress and uh, I'm not going to get into all the, um, you know, the other stuff, the voice control stuff, which is completely different. We talked about that last year and maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast, but just the basic built in press the microphone and start talking button is pretty great. There's a couple things in there though, that aren't as exciting for me. They're bragging about, it's like 20 times more facts. <laughs> Steven, how often do you ask Siri like a factual question? Very rarely. Most of my Siri commands are for music playback, sending messages, and timers, like that sort of thing. I I very rarely ask it to say, hey, what year did this happen or who did this? You know, sort of the Wikipedia type questions. I think because Siri was so bad at it for so long, I just never think about doing it. And if I was in charge of Siri and I was thinking about what should we do this year, I'm not sure I would put this at the top of the list, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have the math, they know how many questions people are asking it, but like sure. you, like, I, I think the last time I asked it was like, when are the clocks going to change that? It's like stuff like that. I, I just don't ask Siri very many questions. Maybe I need to start doing more of that, but I mean, I'm happy that they're continuing to improve that. But for me, I want them to put as much wood behind the arrow as they can on improving voice to text dictation, you know, and that stuff. But but that's fine. I mean, it's there. 
That's another one I'd be curious to read in the forum thread about how many people are using these facts. Cause I, like you, I just barely use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing they did was they added the ability to send audio messages via Siri. So now you can trigger, you know, that, you know, in messages, you've had the ability to turn on a microphone and send an audio message. And I, you know, I've been mixed on it. First I thought it was dumb. Then I thought, oh, this can be really useful because you can put, you know, tenor in your voice and you can let them know because text is so one dimensional. But then as I started getting these from people, I'm like, what a pain this is. Like, I've got to like listen to them talk, you know, <laughs> especially if like I'm in a room with other people, then I got to get my headphones on. It's just like, I just don't use that feature. So I'm glad they added it, but it's something I just don't use. Yeah. I think the only time I send audio messages to people is when it's by accident. Yeah. <laughs> I send birthday greetings sometimes that way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You can sing a little happy birthday. You can just like, you know, do it right. Home app. Nice quality of life improvements with home app. Yeah. Um, One of the, one of the things I've always, you know, struggled with is just getting to the buttons I want to use the most. And I I'm guessing a lot of people at Apple are using home app as it's gotten better over the years and they're having the same problem. So it surfaces the stuff you want a lot easier. When you open the app, there's a bar across the top that has like kind of the currently running devices and Mm -hmm. things that you're working on. And they've even added that to control center, which is done with some form of artificial intelligence where it just surfaces the ones you want the most. And largely it's got the ones I want. So I just drop down control center and I don't have to go straight to the home app and start digging. It's this, the buttons I want are just there now. I, I think that was the biggest improvement for me this year with home app. Yeah. I, I like that status stuff that was there before, but it was just text. And she's like, I don't want to read two sentences about my house. Like just show me some icons so I can quickly see what's going on. They also did some stuff with adaptive lighting and activity zones. I have not explored the activity zone stuff, but it's basically just giving you more hooks uh, into automation and more things you can do uh, automatically with that. So lots of nice additions. I, it's funny you said that I think you think more people are using the home app at Apple. Yeah. Cause everyone's at home. Like I, I realized yeah. <laughs> that, that the other day is like, I feel like, we, you know, we talked about home kit recently. We've talked about cameras. Like lots of people are, are looking at this because we've all been home for six months or at least a lot of people have. And so I'm glad to see these improvements come because like we said on that show with Micah, home kit is a, is a big deal. It's an important part of the Apple ecosystem and they need to just keep cranking on it year after year. Yeah. Agreed. The, so I do have some experience with the new activity zones and face recognition because I've got those Eufy cameras that plug into HomeKit. Right. And the uh, camera facing at, at my front door, we have a little flag hanging outside the door. You know, we changed during the seasons. And that was killing the battery. I talked about how the battery life was pretty bad on Eufy. Mm-hmm. After we recorded, they added that to the beta where I could set the activity zone. So I, I cut out the flag. Nice as an activity zone and it has dramatically increased the battery life on that camera. That's cool. So, um, it, it works. The facial recognition I haven't been as lucky with. Uh, I've got a 2k UFA camera pointing at the front door and you know, the idea was it would see my face. I'd walk in and start playing star Wars, right? That, you know, that's where my mind went with this and it sees me, but it does a bad job of recognizing me. So I think the face recognition stuff needs some work. Mm -hmm. Uh, picture in picture on the iPhone. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So there's there's a big caveat here because I think people see that as a feature and they think, oh, sweet. I'll have picture in picture for YouTube. 
Well, there's some caveats to that. You can basically only have access to it if you're a premium user on the iPhone. Um, and as of a couple of days ago, they actually left that open on the iPad. So the iPad was the iPad version of YouTube. At least their website will let you do picture in picture for anybody. So YouTube is kind of playing games with this, but um, you know, it's nice. But I don't think it's. I've never really, I never really missed it on the iPhone. Even though I do watch a fair bit of YouTube on my iPhone, I, I usually don't go back and forth. And because I'm a premium member, I'm fine just leaving the audio in the background if I need to go to messages or something. But uh, it's great that it's here. I just hope that like YouTube kind of figures out how they're going to handle this and that they implement it consistently. Because right now they're they're not. Oh wait, you mean the. Google app for the iPad has got features that are broken. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just signed up for Google premium two months ago and I I'm sold. Cause I, I watch so much YouTube video that, um, and I don't use the music. I don't use the music feature or the other stuff that comes with it, but I watch enough YouTube that I find it very nice to yeah. be able to, to watch it without ads. Uh, back tap shortcuts, just a real quick, you can tap the back of your phone and run a shortcut. Like if you tap, if I tap the back of my phone three times, the flashlight turns on. I'll, I'll share a screencast I made about how you do it, but it's kind of cool. I tried this and I tried it in a really early beta. So maybe it's better now, but I felt like I could never get it to do it. I was either too aggressive and like went past it or I just like walking around and suddenly my flashlight was on. So has it become a little more, I guess has it become more easily discernible as the betas have gone on? The first problem is much better. It turns on easier, uh, but knocking stuff against your pocket, <laughs> occasionally you'll look down and there'll be a really bright light yeah. you know, shining through your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can maybe think of that as a feature. I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, <laughs> there, there are some issues. Mm-hmm. Safari, uh, translations. I mean, that was one of the things I was using Google Chrome for, you know, to translate websites. And now Safari does it. Yep. Hooray. Awesome. Uh, Safari also got the privacy report. Safari 14 got this across the board. So it's actually on the Mac now too with Safari 14. We can see what trackers are on a website. You can see what it's blocked. You have all those options around that. Uh, I think that's a, a very nice feature because the web can be a pretty gross place sometimes. Uh, the thing on Safari I'm really waiting for are the plugins. And we've received several um, emails and messages from listeners and developers working on new plugins now that you know Safari is going to make it easier to kind of bring it to parity with Firefox and Chrome. And I expect we're going to maybe even do a show on that at some point, that there's going to be a lot of power features you can add on to Safari. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a few months for that stuff to kind of get out. I mean, we haven't even released Big Sur yet. So yeah. And I it think, may be the end of the year or next year before we really kind of get there, but I think it's going to be a nice thing. I'm looking forward to, you know, going deep with plugins. Yeah. Cause Safari is one of those things that it does run on both platforms. Now, are those plugins coming to iOS or are they just Mac? I actually don't know. I don't either. I think, I think <laughs> so, they're just Mac, but, um, but yeah, I mean, well, if they're Java, if they're JavaScript, I would think they would work on both. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, yeah. But all in all, Safari, like they just, the Safari team just, Every year they're delivering stuff. It's it's always very impressive what they're able to to do. Something else on the privacy front, kind of while we're talking about the privacy stuff in Safari, is privacy around 
audio and video access. So if you have an app that is using the microphones or using the camera, you get an orange dot or a green dot up in the the menu bar area of your phone. And you can, so you can see, you know, hey, this is using the camera, this is using the audio. And if you didn't expect that to happen, then then you know. Or if you've kind of forgot that, oh yeah, I did give this app this permission, it is doing this. Uh, it's a nice subtle reminder of what's going on. Hey, do you know, like, so on the Mac, just as a quick aside, when the video camera's on, you get the green dot. So there's consistency between platforms. I like that. But I talked to an Apple person once because I've been trying to get some confirmation about the idea that that light is hardwired to the camera. Mm -hmm. That if you get power to the camera, the light turns on, there's no way to software your way around it, which would be great. So hackers can't turn the light off and start taking video. And I talked to one person at Apple. I've talked to a couple of people at Apple, none of which really are on the team that did this. So they don't really know, right? They're, they're <laughs> but um, one person at Apple told me, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does that. You, it, it won't turn the light on. You can't turn the camera on without turning the light on. I talked to another person who says, I'm not sure that's true. Do you know the answer to that question? I would imagine on the T2 Max that it is true because that all is handled through the, the T2. But on older Macs, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know there were some stories yeah. like, you know, 10 years ago about maybe Mac webcams coming on the light not being on, but I would imagine that on current Macs they are they are linked, but I don't know for sure. Like don't put me under oath. Yeah, okay. I, it feels like nobody really knows the answer. But, you know, sometimes Mr. Hackett does know the answer. Somewhat related to iOS on the iPhone is CarPlay. They added the ability to put custom wallpaper, which I find just distracting. I don't know if you played with that in your your CarPlay install or not. Uh, I have, yeah. I don't like the wallpapers. Uh, I just have kept it black. <laughs> yeah, me too. And but they've also added new app categories: parking apps, EV charging, and a quick food ordering. N- none of that stuff is stuff I need. Yep, <laughs> so. same. I've I've had no experience with that. Um, but yeah, woohoo, wallpapers. I mean, they look cool. There there are maybe half a dozen options and they're basically big chunks of color. So, you know, like my truck is red. I could use a red one and sort of like match, I guess, if I wanted to, which is kind of cool. But it's uh, not a feature that I really was like running out to turn on day one of the beta. Yeah, yeah, me either. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Hover. Make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain name. Go to hover.com slash MPU. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs and frankly, anybody that wants to do anything on the internet, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Maybe you need a URL for your new company. Why not start as you mean to go on and choose a .inc domain? Or to show people you're serious about your business, uh, Hover has free who is privacy so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean user interface, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting a business. Both Max Sparky and my legal site, SparkCSQ, were both big changes in my life, and both of those started 
with me going to hover and buying that domain. In fact, not only do I use dom uh, hover for the domains, they also host the email for me. It felt great getting those domains. And once I had them set up, I'm good to go. Now we know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box. So I know you'll appreciate hover. Their user interface is really simple, clean, and easy to navigate. You can buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash MPU and get that 10% discount on all new purchases. It's a great company. They take good care of you. You get your domain. That URL one more time, hover.com slash MPU. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I thought we could talk some more about some of the, the miscellaneous updates, and then maybe we round this out at the end talking about where the iPad stands. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, so the the Photos app and the Photos uh, sort of, it's kind of like, Photos is kind of like a little ecosystem unto itself these days, really. Um, it, it received some love this year. I don't know if it was as much as in previous years. We already mentioned the widget, which is really by far like my favorite addition. Um, but they offering some privacy stuff around photos. So if an app requests a photo, say like you're on Twitter and you want to attach a photo, you can say you can see my whole photo library or you can just see select photos. So kind of limiting uh, what is uh, available to a third party. I think that's a really nice privacy addition to photos. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the other thing they did was, you know, the user interface has changed slightly and this is kind of more on the iPad, but they've got the, the you know the sidebar now mm -hmm. so it's more manageable i can't help but think this is kind of part of the transition as we head towards silicon max and you're going to be able to run ios and and um, ipad os apps on your mac that they want them to have more of a universal design i feel like so much of this is like waiting for those silicon Macs and to see how this all fits together yeah there's a lot of pieces sort of coming together from all these different angles yeah, uh, And Photos is a good example of that. On the iPad, I really like the sidebar and Photos on the iPad. I think it's really nice, especially as someone who has a bunch of albums. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Some of the things I noted through the beta, I feel like it launches faster. And I talked to one person that um, works for the fruit company that says that's true. I don't know if Apple has published that anywhere. Um, uh, stabilization continues to improve. Um, they... Uh, I've got notes here because I'm going to do a, a free update to the photos field guide. <laughs> uh, the other thing that stood out for me was the exposure compensation. So now there's a monitor at the top. And if you, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, they've also moved the settings around. So the grid and the exposure adjustment stuff is, is now easier to access inside the application. But there's just been like, Again, what I would call some quality of life improvements, but they're not, it's not like they re-engineered the app this year. Shortcuts also received some attention. Again, we mentioned the widget carries under the new style. You can now organize individual shortcuts within the application. It's kind of folders, but it's also not kind of folders. It's sort of a weird deal, but I went through and did that because the widget, you can say, show me the shortcuts just in this group. And so I have what I call like home screen and studio. And there, there are two sets of shortcuts that I have in that widget that I can switch in between. If you have a lot of shortcuts, it's tedious at first to organize them all. But as I've created new ones since then, I'm really liking the organization and I can just categorize them as I go. 
I mean, finally, right? Like shortcuts every year we've talked about needing some sort of organization folders, tags, anything. And they've, uh, they've delivered it this year. Yeah. Overdue, but much appreciated. And just to cross promote as, as you do in the business, uh, the Friday after the show publishes, uh, Rosemary and I have a whole episode on shortcuts improvements in iOS 14, all the new triggers and just kind of breaking it down. So cool. If that's your thing, just wait till Friday. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Apple TV. Um, there's a couple nice features on the Apple TV that I didn't really think I'd care about that much. I didn't run any betas on Apple TV, but you know, in the week this has been up, I've been running them. Um, we often use AirPods with TVs in our house because, you know, we got four people in a small house and, you know, try to give each other a little bit of peace. But now you can have multiple AirPods connected. So if two people are watching TV, they can have both of their AirPods connected at the same time, which is nice. That is nice. Um, also, there's a new home button in the control center of the TV. And if you go there, it gives you a preview of your connected security cameras. And you know, tying into what we talked about in the HomeKit episode with Micah. I've got a few of these Eufy cams that are connected to the HomeKit and it's really nice. I, um, like I was able to like the doorbell rang the other day while we were watching TV. I just checked the camera and somebody had left a package, you know, so I knew it wasn't something I had to race off and deal with. And then, uh, when Daisy and I were in bed, you know, we put the dog in the crate at night and because I'm a nerd, there's a camera pointed at the dog crate. And we're upstairs watching, uh, we, we've been watching uh, Dickinson. We finally got around to finishing that Apple TV series and mm -hmm. it's good. But if you have Apple TV, as a side note, watch Ted Lasso. Have you watched Ted Lasso? It is next on our list. Uh, we're finishing up something else and then we're going we're gonna to move right into that. That's so good. And the guy just makes you happy. There's, you know, in the world where everything makes you upset, this will make you happy. But anyway, so we're watching, uh, we're watching TV and I just want to say, I wonder if the dog fell asleep, you know, just hit the control center, got the dog camera on the TV. It's, I don't know, it's a little thing, but I think I will still be using it in six months, which is kind of the test, right? Yep. I say a little thing, but I think about my life like a few years ago, right? Or even like 10 years ago, the idea that I could just put the dog camera on the TV would just blow my mind. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that I could pick up a phone and talk to somebody in Spanish and it would translate for me, like Star Trek's Universal Translator. You know, it's like, it's easy to lose track of how amazing this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. And especially something like, hey, just put your HomeKit camera on your TV. Like Apple's had all those parts for a few years now. And now that these platforms are becoming more mature, they have the time to sort of cross-populate those features. And I think that's a really good example of it. Yeah. Did you upgrade your AirPods? <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> uh, yeah. So th there's a... This is like part AirPod update, part iOS 14 update, but uh, spatial audio is available on the AirPods Pro, which I have not experienced. Uh, have you done the spatial audio no. stuff yet? No, I haven't had a reason. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Like you did text editing in space once with a VR headset. Yeah. So it seems <laughs> yeah, right up your alley. Yeah, it does kind of really, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll make that my homework. Okay. I'll get some spatial audio. Yes. I've heard it's, I've heard it's very impressive. I'll test it while I'm in space blogging with. VR. Oh no, All you may never come back. It's gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but something they added that is like really great is just battery notifications for your AirPods. It just does a little drop down. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had the experience you're using the AirPods on a phone call and suddenly you start getting the little beep, right? Yeah. You know? Yep. 
I don't want that. I'd rather just see it on the screen. I think that's a nice improvement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Auto switching. What's your experience so far? It's supposed to be easier. Dude, it's magic. So uh, for instance, this morning I was watching something on my iPad and then I was, oh, it's time for a call, right? I had a call scheduled at, at 930 or whatever. And I picked up my phone and started like joined the call and the audio switched from the iPad the iPad paused the video I was watching and the audio just seamlessly moved to the iPhone, which is like, that's the dream of the AirPods, right? Apple kind of pitched this when they sold the initial AirPods, what, two or three years ago, but it was mostly a manual process. And now at least in between iOS 14 devices, it seems pretty good. I got spoiled by it. And this is the kind of thing when you buy like multiple Apple devices, this is what you want. You know, yeah. you want the benefit of this and I just hope they don't break it. You know, now that you've got this figured out, you know, keep this. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, but that is a nice feature. I agree. Um, another one, just like the, you know, the the browser plugin hasn't, you know, the the check has been written, but it hasn't been cached yet. The other one is app clips. Apple made a big deal about these app clips where they're going to be like micro versions of apps. So you can use them without installing a vendor application. I have had no experience with it yet. I think this is an idea more than it is a, a working thing at this point. Yeah, I think so. You can see the potential, I guess, but not quite yet. Well, I think we just have to experience it. Yeah, you know, Someday I'm going to walk up to a parking meter and use an app clip to pay without downloading an app, but then I'm going to be sold. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I've played with some apps that have it. Uh, so like um, some of the like white noise apps, like just a various number of apps have, have implemented it. And I've tried it and like, it is cool, but I think, I think you're right. The magic will be when it's in the out in the real world, not when you're like cooped up at home. Yeah. This episode of Mac power users is brought to you by our friends over at Mint Mobile. Breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier thanks to Mint Mobile. They're the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, which means you don't have to go into a store. They don't have those expenses. You can do it all online. You get the SIM card, everything you need in the mail, and it's all very easy to uh, to set up. I had uh, my Pixel 3a on Mint Mobile really within just a few minutes, so much faster than going into a store. And they have an unlimited data plan that's just $30 a month. So uh, how much is your soon-to-be ex-wireless provider charging you for that? I bet it. I bet it's more. They can do this. They can do this 30 bucks a month unlimited data plan by going online only, eliminating the traditional cost of retail and then passing those savings to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, they have you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for 30 bucks a month. To get that plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com MPU. That's mintmobile.com MPU. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month at mitmobile.com slash MPU. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the show and Relay FM. I guess we got to talk about the iPad. 
I guess we gotta, well, guess yeah, we gotta do that. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting because this is really the, you know, last year they announced that there was iPhone OS or iOS and iPad OS. So they split them last year. This is the first year we've seen an actual update to iPad OS. And, um, I think the reviews are mixed. Um, uh, on the good side is scribble, you know, this whole concept of using artificial intelligence to let you write on the iPad and turn it into text. Did you, uh, you had the beta installed. Did you use this throughout the beta period? Uh, a little bit. I do a fair bit of handwriting, mostly in notebooks. That has never really made the jump to the Apple Pencil and the iPad for me. Although Scribble is the closest it's gotten because it is really good and it's it's fast and it works in a lot of places. Like there was a things update over the weekend that you can choose Scribble and things like make your task and stuff. It's all really cool. It makes the it makes your handwriting turns into text, so it's searchable, and you can copy and paste it places. So it's the best implementation of this. It's just not something that not really the way that I work usually. I remember back in the Palm Pilot and you know in the Newton days where you had to learn a different English or a different mm-hmm. alphabet. You know, uh, this doesn't do that. You can write in this stuff just about any way you want, and it's going to figure it out, which is honestly the advantage of artificial intelligence on the local device. It's able to to do that very quickly. And uh, the places where I find I use it and I do use it, I don't use it exclusively, but I use it a fair bit and I use it in the applications that I often use off keyboard, you know, with the new magic keyboard, that's what you call it, right? The new one where it floats, yeah, magic keyboard. So you just pull it off. So it's very easy to remove from the keyboard. And I really like using the iPad without an attached keyboard. So, Quite often I sit in a comfy chair and go through my calendar and OmniFocus and do kind of like management stuff just on the iPad. And it really feels like, you know, living in the future and I'm a nerd, so I love that stuff. And the iPad Pro and now iPad Air have an attached, magnetically attached pencil. So it's just always there for you. So I find the place I use the scribble the most is putting tasks in with OmniFocus responding to text messages, uh, writing down calendar events, stuff like that. And it's fine. Anything that's a text field, you can just write in and it does a good job. I don't use it 100%. I'm just as big of a fan of the keyboard, if not a bigger fan of the keyboard. But uh, I find it very natural to just write with it. I I prefer the pencil over the, um, the glass keyboard. So I'm using it, you know, significantly, but not entirely. One thing uh, I would just I would just plug while we're talking about Scribble uh, episode something I'm looking it up as I, as I speak uh, episode 301 of Connected another show I do here on Relay we got to interview a couple of the people who are on the iPad team at Apple specifically who worked on Scribble and so if you're interested in that as a feature and want to know more about how it came to be and what they think about it definitely go check out that that interview I'm really proud of how it came out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great listening to the people on the inside, you know, how did they see this feature coming to life? And um, I think overall Apple just, you know, everybody's always saying, well, just give me what we used to have on the Palm pilot and the Newton. And they did something way better. I Mm -hmm. mean, you can, you can write on this terribly and it's going to do a pretty good job of converting it for you. Whereas you had to be very careful and precise with those older systems. So I think they did a great job, but now it's in there and it's something usable. I don't think it's going to have massive amount of usage, but it's there and I'm glad it is. So mm-hmm. that was the big one this year, getting it. 
And also I will add to it when you start using Scribble, they have like a tutorial, like you scratch through a word to delete it and you can insert words. I, I think that the whole implementation is right. You know, it, it makes sense. It's easy to understand. Unlike some of the other stuff we talked about today, it's not too clever or obtuse. Just, I think, you know, Apple gets an A for coming up and they get an A for implementation as well with Scribble. It's cool. Now, the bad side. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the widgets, it's like, I don't know. What was your favorite food when you were a kid? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I was a big hot dog kid, you know? All right. So, so let's say your mom came to you and gave you like a quarter of a delicious hot dog. Dang it, mom. <laughs> it. Where's the rest of it? So here's Steven. <laughs> and you're like, oh, mom. So you now know how to make great hot dogs. Yes, I do. Well, can I have the rest of the hot dog? No, no more hot dog for you, Steven. <laughs> that's what the that's how I feel about widgets, right? You know, yeah. it's like you got these widgets on the phone. They can take over. I can put them anywhere on the phone. We just got done talking earlier in the show. We can put them on the left screen, the right screen, the middle screen, whatever. Then we go over the iPad. Like, no, we still want you to use the eighty percent of your screen for apps. <laughs> and I just like don't understand the thing with the most glass. It's the least amount of widgets. I mean, not only that, we, it, you know, you can, so you can put widgets on the sidebar and people listening probably know this, but you can't put it on the rest of the screen, but there's like a section of the sidebar where it always shows the widget, but to get the rest of them below that, you have to scroll. So your widgets will be hidden unless you scroll, but the actual area that that's what I would call a permanent widget is the equivalent of two medium sized widgets. Well, on the phone, you get the equivalent of three medium-sized widgets as the permanent widget, right? So not only is it like using less glass, it's actually fewer permanent widgets than you get on the phone. I, I just, I don't wonder what happened here. I don't know. This feels like someone just made an opinionated choice and they got it wrong. I also think, uh, so I mean, so for spoiler for a second, there's no app library either on the iPad, which yeah. is equally befuddling to me. Yeah. I have this theory. It's not very charitable, but I'm going to share it. I've shared it other places. Sometimes I think Apple like leaves a feature half done. So they have something to show off next year. And it kind of feels like this is one of those things. Now, in reality, my guess is someone just made the wrong call. But part of me can't help but think, you know, they figured, well, we're not going to get it done this year. So like people will be really excited about it next year. Apple, what I want you to do is I want you to put widgets on the home screen and app library in 14.2 or whatever, like put it in the next release of iOS 14, because it is so frustrating to have this big iPad, especially talking about the iPad pro, like you could just go widget crazy on that thing. And they're all just locked away in this little column. It feels it's like such a blown opportunity. Yeah. So I'm more charitable. My theory is they ran out of time. And they're like, well, yeah. we got to make choices and the phone is a bigger deal than the iPad. So we'll make sure it's sure. And and you're probably right. It's just, I had this like little nagging voice in the back of my head. I think we're going to find out who's right though, because I, I agree if, if they ran out of time, this is something that they could easily get in a 14, probably 0.2. I feel like 14.1 is going to be all about the new phones, but 14.2, like if we don't see it by 14.2 or 14.3, that would lean towards your theory that they're just holding it for next year because they may have run out of time, but they could get this shipped this year. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to go back and check, see uh, 
see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'd love it. I love widgets. And I, I would love app library on the iPad as well. I've got a bunch of folders still on my iPad. It's like, why can't I just do the same thing with the phone and just have them somewhere else? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the thing is, the iPad looks old. When you look at my home screen on my phone, and then you pick up the iPad and you see all those little app icons everywhere, it just, it looks old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Uh, what else changed on iPad? Uh, what do you think of the new search? Uh, it's nice. So it kind of is, it's like the compact design in other places, but also it's just like straight up a spotlight rip from the Mac. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I like it. I like features that don't take over the whole screen. Not everything should be modal. And I think the uh, having that search field kind of pop up on its own, it looks really nice. It it looks and feels like the Mac, especially if you're using the, a keyboard with it. I'm kind of digging it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I just can't get over. I'm looking at my iPad right now, and I just cannot get over that I don't have widgets everywhere. That That's the thing that stands out for me. Mm-hmm. Any other changes on iPad of note to you? Uh, I think that's the big stuff. We, we kind of mentioned earlier apps picking up a sidebar. That's a really nice feature. It is yeah. very Mac-like, which will help with the, the pending wave of Mac apps on Apple Silicon. So I, I think that was uh, definitely due. Uh, but, you know, the iPad just kind of keeps chugging along and they keep adding features that make it more power usery and and that's good. Now we just need widgets. All right. So it's second year of iPad OS, you want to give them a grade? Oh gosh. I mean maybe a maybe like a C plus. Like Scribble's really cool and it goes a long way, but you've left features from the iPhone behind that would be really useful on the iPad. Like why did you do that? I had B minus in my head. I think we're kind of in the same place. Okay. Scribble's great, gets you to the B, but you know, a failure to get widgets is is going to drop that grade. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's it was a good year. I mean, what about stability? Have you had any stability issues now that they've released it to the wild, to the public? Uh, nothing, nothing major. It, there's always issues in the beta, but I feel like, especially compared to 13 last year, this has been a dream. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they did a better job this year. And I think it was better through the beta, too. Yeah. Um, maybe part of it, it was because it was delayed this year. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, but either way, it's, uh, you know, more of that, please. Yes. And uh, overall, it, it's, a, it's a good year. I mean, the, the changes they make, you know, I use the term quality of life several times throughout this podcast today, but that's where the operating system is now. It should be giving me quality of life improvements and just making it easier to do the things I do most often. And, I really think that the rethink of the iPhone home screen was well done. I mean, we all knew they were going to change it at some point, but that could have gone good or horribly wrong. And I think, you know, kind of, it fits kind of within the Apple, you know, walled garden approach to things, but it's in a way that lets users do what they want and, and, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, I think so. I think overall for being kind of a rushed year right here at the end and, I mean, we still don't have iPhones at this point. It's a lot of weird stuff. I feel like iOS 14 came out mostly pretty good. Yeah. All right. More power users today. We're going to talk about uh, more technology with the podcastathon and my little train wreck. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I think that about wraps it up for iOS 14. Thanks for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, Smile, Hover, and Mint Mobile. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. You can find those forums at talk.macpowerusers.com and we will see you next week.